This episode that we're about to do, I would say, is probably rivals the the first episode of our show in terms of like episode that you would not want to start the show like like, like episode that like that it, makes it, no sense if it you makes haven't the, watched the yeah. whole season of Star Trek. Yeah. And honestly, like it doesn't really make like a ton of sense even if you have like I I watched this episode with my wife who has only seen you know random episodes here and there of the show uh, you know oh, when she's watched yeah. when she's watched them with me. And I was trying to explain, and it's like this this season in particular, season two of Discovery, like kind of to me, like exited my brain as soon as it 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 entered. Like like just like like the the amount of things that are happening, where I was like, all right, so you, you yeah. know that there's like these things that are happening, and they're caused by, uh, I guess, like some of them at least are caused by Burnham's mom, who they thought was dead, and then also there's the stuff going on with the. You know, with with the 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 Section Thirty One, uh, uh-huh. you know, and this thing called Control, and then they're taking over people, and and just yeah. Uh, Tilly has an imaginary friend. Oh, uh, was that in this episode? I didn't. This not in this episode. I was okay, trying yeah. to remember if that was in this season or not, or, or the next season. I couldn't. I was trying to like place in my mind when Tilly's imaginary friend happens. I think it does. Ha- I think it is. Has like stuck out to me from the middle season of Discovery. I think that is in the season because I think it has to do with the Masculine Network, which then they end up getting called. Oh, and that's how of. they get you back, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I was trying to explain that aspect of it, and yeah, because he's he's kind of he's kind of in or like his like storyline is kind of deep. yeah. There's the whole like that have to search for Spock for a while. Yeah, yeah, and Kim had never seen Kim has never seen anything besides season. Some, some random episodes of season one of the show. And so okay. she had never seen Spock before. She had never seen Pike. And so she was offering some, some thoughts. So if I have, if I have any Kim thoughts, I guess I'll, I'll say them, you know, as we, as we go. Hi everybody. And welcome to out of contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek, try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And today we are talking about Through the Valley of Shadows, which is Season 2, Episode 12 of Star Trek Discovery. The first episode of Star Trek Discovery uh, from Season... Not Season 1. And were we talking about yeah. this today? Is, isn't, this, isn't this the first episode of Star Trek that we've done that came out after the show started? Our show? Yeah, I think it's gotta be. Because we haven't done any... Again, like other than our specials, we haven't done any of like Picard or Lower Deck. Because um, we've been Strange New Worlds. Yeah, because we started the show. We did this one. I, I, I guess the only question is, had season two already happened? Right. Well, this is this aired in twenty nineteen, April fourth, twenty nineteen, and I'm looking back at our, our archives. We've been. We started at the beginning of twenty nineteen, right? Or yeah, well, well, we recorded and then we ended up releasing a couple months after we started recording. So I'm looking at like the actual release date of our first episode. So our first episode came out on March seventeenth, twenty nineteen. Um, okay, wow. So yeah, I think this, this is, nice is the first. Milestone. This is the first uh, episode that has come out, which is kind of weird because we've done like multiple other season yeah, one discovery shows have come out since we've started. But yes, well, yeah. So there's been three seasons of Discovery that have come out. Two seasons yeah. of Picard, three seasons of Lower Decks, uh, which you know the last season of Lower Decks I don't think is in our database yet. Same with the Prodigy episodes, and and then and one season of Strange New Worlds. So yeah, it, it is a little weird that we have not seen anything that have come out since yeah since then. But um, yeah, this is our first this is our first episode. Wow, so, uh, <laughs> what a what an episode average 
underwhelming episode to yeah with a uh, cool but with a cool a cool jacket though so with a cool jacket yes that's that's true that's the most notable thing <laughs> for you at least yes so all right so the, the 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 memory alpha synopsis of this episode is a fourth signal leads the uss discovery to an insular world where pike is forced to make a life-changing choice Burnham and Spock investigate a Section 31 ship gone rogue, leading to a discovery with catastrophic consequences. And then this episode is written by Bo Yan Kim and Erica Lippold, and it's directed by Doug Erniakoski, I believe is how you say that last name. So yeah, this is uh, season two Discovery, which I think we've joked around, we joked about on this on this this podcast before as being like probably the most unintelligible of all of the seasons of not even not necessarily like the worst season of discovery but like just the one where it's just like what happened like there's you know yeah to yeah that at the end like look at the end looking back on it yes yeah possible to like summarize what the story was of the season yeah so i mean without a bunch of like oh and also yeah, I would say like we we we'll go through some of the individual beats when when we start doing the episode synopsis. But I would say that just if you haven't watched season two of Discovery, the basic outline of it. And correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, is that there are these all these anomalies in space that are being caused by someone wearing a like a like a red like really powerful EV suit, and the anomalies have to do with like problems that are occurring in different parts of yeah, the, and they'll sort of like direct discovery to a specific place yeah and it turns out that like they need to be at that specific place for yes and then mean and then also like spock who's michael's uh half brother or not half brother her 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 adopted brother yeah he has had a premonition of these things and it's kind of escaped and they're trying to find out why what he was doing and why he's kind of seems like he's kind of gone crazy and then Meanwhile, that's linked in with Section Thirty One, which is like the 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 Starfleet version of the CIA, ha, like has kind of been investigating this stuff as well. Um, and it turns out that there is a computer program called Control that is sort of that is controlling Section Thirty One and is trying to link with this like sphere of data that I believe comes from the future, right? And and, and it, it's it's tied. I don't in. remember where it comes. They just like that's. They come across it. I, I think that's the thing is, I forget where the sphere came from, but yeah, like download sort of like this huge amount of knowledge of the universe onto discoveries. Well, I, I, I thought it came from the future. I thought it had something to do with, um, with the, with the anomalies, but like in terms of, uh, pardon my typing noise, I'm looking up the word sphere on memory alpha. So, um, I'm looking to see where that came from. I, I thought it had to do with... I thought it was, like, something that came from the suit itself. Uh, like, oh, really? Okay. I thought it was just, like, an alien, like, entity. Oh, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, it's actually... It's a very old life form that has organic and non-living matter. Yeah, that was... Is that it's been just sort of, like, traveling the galaxy, like, collecting knowledge. And it's yeah. about to die, and so it gives all that knowledge. That's right. Yeah. Which, but they find it... Because then, of the yeah, anomaly, the control is trying to get all of that knowledge to become powerful enough to wipe out all life. Yeah, it's like one of those. It's like a classic like computer thinks that humanity is too chaotic, and so the only way to achieve peace yeah. is to like kill everybody. Kind of, you know, whatever. And and so that that's the, those are the kind of the two th- those are kind of the two things that are happening, and then 
they kind of link up towards the end, basically. Yeah. And there's a bunch of other, is, like, little rabbit trails. Yeah, because this is, like, I think the last episode before the, like, two-part finale. Oh, okay. So this is kind of, like, taking us into the big finish. Yeah. Because this one ends with them, like, deciding they have to destroy Discovery, and then, like, Pike calls number one, and then, yeah, because then, like, the next ones are, like, the big fight between, like, Discovery and the Enterprise versus all of them. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't you take us in, and, and I would say, feel free to, you know, spend as much or as little time as you want on individual elements, yeah. because it's, like, I think to actually explain all of these things, you'd have to really, like, our show is called Out of Contracts, you know, like, we... Yeah, but it's true. You know. <laughs> You'd, you'd, so, have to, you'd have to basically... Like, this isn't an episode of TV. I think it's, like, one of the many complaints I would have about it. It's, like, this is... It, it, it's... Like, at one point, it just stops. And Kim and I are both like, oh, it's over. Yeah, it like, kind of <laughs> just starts and, it, like, and stops. Yeah. There's no... Yeah, there's no real, like, narrative arc that, like, is the characters are taking on in this individual episode of, of the show. Right. Yeah, it's just, like, various plot lines are furthered over the runtime. Yeah. So they it starts with a, like a previously on, which is apparently I guess a recent thing that has happened is so they at one point had actually met up with or like found Burnham's mother, who is the one that's like going around in the red suit, which is called the Red Angel. Yeah. Although although later on she doesn't she it, it turns out later on that she wasn't she didn't do all of them. Yeah. I think, like, either Spock did one or two, or Michael did one or two. Yeah, I think it ended up being, like, most of them, I think, were done. Like, it's one of the... They did one of those time paradox things where, like, at the very end of the last episode, Michael's like, okay, well, now I have to go do all of these signals so that these things will happen. Yeah. Have happened. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so, so they find Michael's mother. It turns out that it was all kind of, like, a trap by control to try to get her or the suit or the sphere data the or something. Data, and yeah, so they, they yeah, yeah. The data. and so they have to like let her go and then they kind of like lose the suit. And so now they're just like, well, now we don't know what to do. And I would say the two main, so the two main plot lines that are being followed in this episode, and they'll kind of like occasionally do other stuff with like Hugh and Stamets and Jet Reno and that. But the two main things are, so Pike is going to get a time crystal so that because they need one of those to like be able to use kind of the technology of the suit to travel through time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes to a planet called Boreth, which is this like un- planet that only has like this one Klingon monastery that also happens to be, and this is what happens with season two, that also happens to be where Ash Tyler and Laurel's son, who in like one of the earlier episodes you found out that, like, back when Ash Tyler was working with the Klingons, they found out that, like, the two of them had a son from when he was still Klingon in season one. And it was, like, being kept hidden because if anyone found out about it, then it would be, like, a way to kind of be able to strike at Laurel, who's the Chancellor, and has, like, many powerful enemies. And so... They had to, like, Ash Tyler had to leave, like, the Klingon uh, government and, like, join Section 31. The baby had to, like, go into high, like, get sent to be raised by these monks on this planet. This time planet. Yeah. And so, so Pike goes down to the planet wearing a cool 
winter jacket. Yes. It's it is a very cool winter jacket. It, it I think one it strikes me so much because we when we were playing timelines, like there's like a pike with a winter jacket and it's like a very cool like drawing. Um Yeah, yeah, that's a it's also like a good character like a like he's a, just a good card too. <laughs> like you use him a lot. Yeah. Time. But he, yeah, um, he, he just cuts, he cuts quite a figure in this jacket, I think. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so he goes down and meets with these monks, and it turns out that the main monk that is, like, leading him through there is, is Ash Tyler and Laurel's son, who was, like, because of the effect of the time crystals, is, like, aged. I don't, has he aged rapidly, or is there just, like, time has no meaning, and so... Like, I, I felt like what it was was that, well, I don't know. actually in the future. They don't they don't really say, but, like, uh, to me, it seemed like he had, like, he had aged, like, at a, at a normal pace, but that, it, like, because, like, the, of the way that, like, the, the that planet, like, exists with all these time okay. crystals, like, that it, that, like... It, it seemed like a normal place for him, but, to, yeah. you know, uh, but it so wasn't... So he has lived, like, the amount of life it would take to get to that age. That's that's how I felt, like, like, just, just because, like he like, wasn't, like, a little baby. Like, you know, like, he wasn't, like, an yeah. adult man who was, like, what is that, you know, or anything like Not that. Not, like, like, big thing or something, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't really get into Yeah, it. I think that... <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they, they say things along the lines of, like, you know, like, the, like, time is... I forget what they call it, like... You know, the past and the present and the future are all the same here, or something like that. And so, yeah, Kim and I were talking about this. That like, time crystals is such a weird, goofy idea for this show, which is like so serious all the time. You know, like 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 time crystals is a thing you'd see in like a TOS episode where they're just like, there's some time yeah. crystals that let you do time stuff. But that really is like, yeah, they don't and you would ex- accept it in that. I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, they don't really explain it to each other. Just like. There are time crystals. They they're just like, oh time. yeah, you know the time crystals. You know they got there's some time. You got some time going on That's here. What you need for time travel. Yeah, yeah. A- and I mean, I think Discovery will every now and then do that kind of thing where like either they will try to like reference or bring back a thing like a, like nostalgia thing from Star Trek or do something like this. And and yeah, it's just like the like the vibe you've been trying to give off. For your whole show, yeah, it just doesn't fit with this type of science fiction. I feel like. Well, I looked it up too, and because I was like, maybe this is from the original series. Maybe there are some time crystals there. It's so, like that would make more sense, oh, yeah. but it's not. They just, they just, the, the time crystals appear for the first time in this episode, I believe. Huh. Um, so, it's, oh, and I mean, like of all the like different ways that Star Trek has come up with the time travel over the course of however like seven shows, yeah, they were just like, well. The only serious option is time crystal. Yeah, it's like I don't know, like have it be like on the plant, like like have them, you know. There's the, yeah, like like this this is like kind of like chronotons level, you know, like there's some time stuff, you know, like like even yeah. like you know, and I think I think chronotons I believe were invented for DS nine. I think you know TNG and. And TOS, like, they have, like, some more scientific stuff, like slingshotting around the sun, or, or you know, like, pseudoscientific stuff. And, right. or, you know, there's... Or you just have Q do it all. There's... Yeah, right. Right, but, like, that that's, that, but that that is, like, well, we're not going to try to explain that, you know, like, and the, or, or, like, there's the, there's the, uh, you know, we just, Kim and I just watched Blink of an Eye for, for Voyager, where it's, like, that's not time travel, but that's, like, the planet is spinning super fast, and so, uh... Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, like 
there's there's ways you could do it that aren't just like time. Yeah. But I don't know. It, not that I really even have a complaint about that, other than it's just like, why, why, what is this doing? Like, this is a weird, like, you got sushi on my peanut butter, like, situation. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's all just to do, like, the thing with Pike, I feel like. Um, seems to me to be the point of this episode, but... Yeah. Which I guess, I, I guess it's like, it's, yeah, so it's, it's like, so yeah, it seems like, yeah, it's, it's all set up for, like, a show, a spinoff show, because I guess... Like, it makes Pike more noble to know that he's going to get all screwed up, you know, rather than... I guess, yeah. You know, it makes it less sad. I don't know. Or more... more I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. More dramatic. Yeah. It, it was a choice thing. Regardless, um, I would say, like, be, be, you know, even with my complaints, like, this is probably the part of the episode I was most into because it's the part where Pike was in. Um, sure. <laughs> also, I... <laughs> this, I, this is, like, one of the only notes I wrote, is that there's at one point where... Pike is trying to get them to do something and they won't do it. And so he says, you call yourselves timekeepers. And I was like, timekeeper is a word. Like, that's not, that doesn't mean that. Like, it doesn't mean people who keep, who keep literal time. Like, that's, <laughs> you, you can't. It's like clock. Yeah, it's like you can't, or, or like a referee or something. Like, you can't, you can't just say yeah. that. You call yourselves timekeepers. No, sorry. That's something else. Uh, yeah. There, there is also a point where, like, I think pretty early on when, you know, he's like, I'm not afraid. I'll be like, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And like the, the monk is like, time will tell. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> right. time will tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, it's just like, I don't mind hack, but like, if you're going to be hack, like, don't, don't pretend like you're not hack. Don't act all superior yeah. to the other shows. Yeah. 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 I did have a couple things with this, like some things they talk about in this. One is that like, so the, because they have to do the reveal, like he meets this guy and then they have to do the reveal to find out that he's actually like Laurel and, and Ash Tyler's son. Yeah. And so he like, Pike's like, what can I call you? And he's like, I am a son of none. And Pike's like, oh, I know someone else who was a son of none. And then he's like, yeah, he was my dad. And just like, does it, do you not just completely defeat the point of raising him as son of none? If you're just like, like you are the son of none and like, we have to keep our identity a secret there, so the empire's enemies of the empire cannot find you. But like, but he knows exactly who like his parents are and like why his identity is being kept a secret. I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems to kind of. Well, but it's just like they're above politics over there, you know. It's like and most people, and they, it seems like no one ever comes to visit them either because they're afraid of the time crystals. So. Yeah, I guess it must be that. Yeah, they're like kind of out of yeah, sort of out of the reach of. Although it also made me wonder, like, what is that planet for? Like, why is there people who are cle- keeping the time crystals? Like, like it just seems like it, like it, it exists for no reason. Like, 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 like because because like it seems like it's sanctioned by the Klingons. It's not like there's these this people who. It's not like the, you know, a Last Crusade situation where there's these people who are like we have to protect the time crystals from or from you know from anyone who would come to get them. It's like, it seems yeah. like the Klingon is like, yeah, we need someone to keep the time crystals. Like, keep them for what? Like. You know, like it, yeah, the way Lorel talks about it almost sounds like like the Klingons used to like it. It's a planet that's always been like part of the Klingon Empire, and like they found time crystals there, and then like realized that they were too dangerous to make weapons out of, and so like I guess they're there to like protect them from people who would come and try to take them and yeah do bad time stuff with them. That's just that seems very forward thinking for the Klingon Empire at this time, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that was what I was surprised. I was like, if the Klingon Empire knows this, it's like, why wouldn't they make use of them? Right. But 
he also he also mentions so there's some there's like a throwaway line that uh, Tenevik has that when he's talking about the time crystals and he calls them he calls them the namesake of Kronos. Mm. And I was like, I don't know what that means because, like, I guess they, because Kronos sounds their, like time. Like because Kronos sounds like time in English, in Earth Greek. Yeah, yeah. or uh, yeah, in um, Greek. Yeah, not English. Yeah. So, like, does it just also mean something about time in Klingon? Uh, I mean, I guess I don't speak Klingon, but because like they say what the name of the time crystal is, and it's like not anything that sounds like Kronos. Maybe it's like a, a situation with. Um, how how there, there's also a Klingon saying that is re- revenge is just <laughs> best served cold, you know? Right. I guess so. Yeah. The, the degree of convergent evolution of language in birthing Klingon. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, and so so basically, uh, he kind of warns Pike that like if you touch the time crystals, then you know, he gives him you know this like vague warning of like it's it's very like cryptic like the present is veiled between anticipation and horror and madness and that kind of thing. <laughs> it's just like, why not just tell him like, oh yeah, if you touch these, one of these crystals, you see how you'll die. And like, yeah, that drives most people crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like Pike is like, decides like, no, I have to, for the good of saving all life in the universe. And so he picks up the crystal and sees how, like, sorry, how he like becomes, you know, horrifically injured in this accident and ends up in the, the BP chair from, uh, the menagerie. Yep. And and then and then they kind of give him the like extra choice of uh, they tell him you know like now that you've seen this if you leave the crystal there then like the future is still kind of fluid and can still be changed but once you pick it up you have that for, for some reason like locks you into a set future and like there's no changing that this thing will happen. To you. All right. I also I forgot why he's here. Is he here because like they need the time crystal for the the red angel suit or like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. This is bad. I think they're trying to like build bad. their own red angel suit. Maybe because like, maybe at this point have they gone back to like, they figured out that like Burnham has to be the one to use it, which means they need the suit. Oh, I, or did one of the, I think also one of the signals is like what led them to this planet. I think there's a signal at the start of this episode, like one of like, the yeah, there is, there is signals. And so that's how they go to Borith and then they find out like, oh, this is where the time crystals are, and then they decide they need one so that they can do time stuff. Yeah. This is... Because they've read the script of the last episode of the show. We both we I both guess. watched this, and we've both seen it, like, yeah. just recently, and we both have seen this whole season. Like, Yes. I, that, is, I mean, that's the problem with the season. Is, yeah. yeah. It's just, like, immediately the actual, like, any sort of meaning... It's boring, and also it, it's, it's just, it's just so... Mind. It's so complicated. Yeah. But yeah, so at the end of this, like Discovery now has a time crystal because that's one of the things that they need to for the final quest. Yes. Um, the other thing that happens in this episode is that Burnham and Spock go to investigate a section, like they like get this tip that there was like a Section Thirty One ship that was like out on a mission and didn't report in, and so they go in to investigate it. And find out that it's been taken, the, the entire ship has been taken over by control and like ejected all of its like living crew members out into space and they all die. Yep. Except for like one guy who managed to get into an EV suit. And so they like beam him aboard and like the three of them go over to the ship and then engage in like intense programming action. Yeah. 
for like most of the episode is just like them at consoles trying being like if we like boot up a dummy system we can like isolate the control program in a like a separate drive and pre-gain control of the ship and so like they're just trying to do all that and then it turns out that the guy was actually like infected with control is taken over by him, and so he tries to send nanobot, like, assimilate Michael, basically. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they're able to stop him by magnetizing the floor. I was thinking about that, like, wouldn't that also, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure they, they've improved computer technology in this amount of time, but I was like, I would think that might also, like, destroy the... Like, ruin all of the electronics on the ship? Well, I was just ruin all ruin the electronics on, in the in the nanobots, you know. Oh yeah, sort of like wipe them or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but I guess yeah. they they must have been resisted, you know, invented like magnet magnet resistant to computer technology by that time. But yeah, is that that's kind of all that happens with like them, right? I'm trying to think of it. No, yeah, you're right. I think um, with like Michael and Spock, the, the beginning of the episode. I this is my thing with. I think I guess my my main thing when I first started watching this episode was that I think Michael as a character, like looking back it does seem like Michael as a character gets better or at least like more tolerable in the later seasons. Cause she is just like so unlikable for me in this episode, like in a way that like, like just by looking back, I'm just like, Oh, like this is much worse than like the Michael of season four or whatever. Cause she just immediately, like anytime that like Pike, who is like a full on captain, who's, acting as the captain of the ship, and Saru, who is, like, also essentially superior officer yeah. of, of Discovery. Yeah. Like, and, like, only kind of not the current, like, filling the role of captain because Pike's there, are both keep, like, telling her, like, being like, okay, this is what we're doing. And she's like, no, we should do something else. But I want to do this. Yeah. And it's just like, you are, what is your job? Yeah. I- you have no authority? <laughs> and then she just goes off and does whatever she wants and that's just such a like like that's just her whole thing for i mean really for all of discovery even when she's a captain then it becomes just her like countermanding the orders of like admirals but yeah well it doesn't it doesn't help that like usually like the people who she's countermanding are like i i usually like them a lot more than her you know like i like <laughs> yeah, saru and pike more than her i like i yeah, like the half the, the half guy. i like the admiral I like the president more than her yeah I, I, uh, I don't want to, I don't know. I I feel like we've, where we've already like done so, spent so much time, like, like about like why that character is not working for us or whatever. So I don't even know. I I, I think I, I kind of personally think that I actually kind of like her less later on because I think that like, she's supposed to be kind of a jerk at this point. Whereas that like in the seasons three to four, like it, the show thinks they're making her more likable or making her like magnan- more magnanimous and stuff. But like, you're right. She still kind of does whatever she wants. And like, she just starts like always like sharing all of these like pithy pieces of wisdom that I'm like, I don't. Yeah. She does deliver more speeches. Yeah. Which I, which <laughs> none of which I ever find meaningful. Whereas at least like in this, especially in season one, it's like when she's being a jerk, like the show is kind of like, she's being a real jerk, yeah. you know? But yeah, I don't know. I, so this, this is, <laughs> to avoid like just a, a dunk sesh like this this ends with them yeah. them getting back to discovery uh and telling everyone what they found and then a bunch of section 31 ships like surround them you know and that's yeah that presumably have all been similarly like taken over by control 
And, and yeah, and they do, so the kind of decision, like the thing someone says at the very end is they're just like, well, we, you know, we can't let section 31 have this like sphere data. And for whatever reason, I guess they like have tried and like can't delete it from the computer. And so they decide like the only thing to like save the universe, we have to like destroy discovery completely, like the whole ship. Yeah. Because that's where the data is. Sphere data yeah. so that control can't get it. And then Pike, like, calls number one to, like, bring Enterprise so they can evacuate Discovery. That's the end of the episode. And then, yeah, and then the, the episode ends. So there's one other thing we... There's the other... There's the C-plot, too, which is... Yeah. Culber and um, Stamets having problems. Yeah, which is... I. So this is... I, I think this I is, like, probably, like, the... all this happened for a while. But, yeah, it's basically, like, because Culver... So Culver was dead, and then they get him back... And he's, like, still dealing with that. And so, like, doesn't want to have a relationship with... Like, him and Stamets just kind of break up for a while because of it. Yeah. Um, and, like, Stamets is all sad about it. And and then Tignataro fixes everything. Yeah, because there's, like, a couple it's, of episodes of just, like, that that happening. Of, like, yeah. them kind of fighting and him being sad. And then, yeah, in this, in this episode, Jet Reno is like, look, like... Get it together. She kind of tells them both to like get it together in like a couple of different scenes, and yeah, um, yeah, kind of the last one of which she like goes into sick bay and kind of talks about how like you know she was married once and like her wife died and basically like you know like you no one else gets like a second chance to be together with someone they love after losing them, mm-hmm. so like don't don't waste it. Type. Of, um, Kim and I were talking. I about, will say, oh, go on, like, sorry. No, go. I, I'm curious. If, what you're about to say is what I was well Kim and I were talking about this and how like this is the first Star Trek show to have a canonically gay or you know not non-straight character and Mm -hmm. but I was I was we were talking about like it's funny because like that's not like it that's that's technically true but then in like the the weird way where like all this stuff works it's like you know now now it turns out that Seven is is gay you know uh, or at least, yeah, or at least or by or whatever, you I know. Think by, yeah. um, and which I know doesn't really count because she's not she's not gay in like the original. And she she's she doesn't she's, she gives no indication that she is gay or bi in in Voyager. But like, but also like, you know, I think that there is like, and if you if you if you watch, I think you, if you watch DS Nine ever, I think you'll you would probably say the same thing. I think there is like a lot of like good evidence to say that like. Dax is probably by like, um, mm-hmm. and then they did some. They do some other things. <laughs> Although doesn't DS Nine do like everyone in the mirror universe is by them? Oh well, that's too that too. But this is I'm talking about like actual like. Sure. Uh, I don't know about everyone right. being by, but like right. yeah, like like yeah, like uh, uh, Dax, uh, like Ezri Dax, I think is actually canonically, canonically gay or by in in the in the mirror, in mirror, mirror in the mirror Ezri. version, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, like, Dax uh, kisses a woman in, in DS9, you know? So, I don't know, it's just, it was just interesting. We were just talking about that a little bit, like, the history of that, like, where clearly, like, some people who worked on those shows in the 90s, like, wanted to get more into it, you know, and... Yeah, you can have, like, influences there, but you just... Yeah. The, or, you know, like, there's that episode of, uh, yeah. of, of there's that episode of TNG where Riker dates that genderless person yeah. and stuff, so... Anyway, yeah. Uh, what were you gonna say? I, I was just thinking, like this episode, especially like the the scene where 
where Jedrina like goes in the sick bay to talk to to Hugh because she she like had, like she just kind of like strolls in being like I need medical attention with like a paper cut or something yeah just like because she wants to talk to Hugh and like I did kind of have this moment of being like does Tignatara really like fit in this show. <laughs> I don't know, like but, she's, but like, I like she's her. She's one though. of my favorite characters. Yeah, yeah, same. Like, I, I love her. But, like, it's so disparate from, the, like, what, like, the entire just sort of feel and, like, timber that the rest of the show's trying to go to. That then you just have her just, like, being her, yeah. herself and being so good at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's she's great. I, I agree with you that, like, it's a strange choice, but I, I do always like her, like, it, to me, I think one reason why she does kind of work is that it seems like she is sort of puncturing the self-seriousness of the show. Like, where she's kind of like, yeah. all right, whatever, like, get over yourself. Yeah, she's like, kind of the one that'll, like, point out, like, does this not seem, like, ridiculous to everybody? Yeah. So, yeah, I like her. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think she's, I think she's great, but it does sort of feel like she just sort of snuck on the show, like, the show and, like, started showing up in scenes and, like, no one really knows who hired her. Yeah. <laughs> And we're all thankful. Yeah. I just, again, we don't have to get too much into this because it just feels like I should always mention every time that I watch the show with Kim, which is, you know, probably once every several months because we, you know, we watch it. We watch it together, you know, when when it comes up for the podcast because she doesn't she doesn't watch it like when it comes out. Every time we watch it, she when she sees a Klingon, she's like. What is that? And then I say it's a Klingon. She's like, like no, it isn't. Like that's not a Klingon. Like, and she was she was getting so. And this is even yeah. Even like season two, I think they were trying to make them look a little bit more like Klingon. Like Lorel has hair in this season. Yeah, but like they they're all a different color, and they yeah, and like they talk so weird too. Where it's like, why why do they talk like that? Like they. Like they cut, they they put this almost this weird like vocoder effect over her voice, and also like she's clearly talking like she sounds she sounds like the people who uh, for for this is for for like for Lorella she sounds like a lot of the Frangi actors from the nineties where like yeah she, they I can't po- talk past the teeth you know yeah and I don't know it just it's still I just think it's such an odd an odd choice but yeah every every time like. Kim like doesn't even recognize them as Klingons. Like, she, yeah. she's not even like. I mean, I remember like, the first. Like, what? Those are not. They're not Klingons. The first Discovery episode we watched for the show, I I didn't either. Like, I spent like even though they're on because it's like the we watched the finale of season one and like they go to like the Klingon homeworld. Yeah. And like, I just assumed that the, that like whatever like areas they're in were like inhabited by other various aliens because like, yeah. i did not realize any of them were going nuts yeah anyway i think we could put this one to bed i apologize uh to be, yeah. if, if this is a real downer for an episode um discovery is just such a hard one to do i feel like for our the way we do it yeah like to just talk about one episode well thank you everybody for listening uh next week we'll be talking about another episode that i don't think either of us are going to be a super big fan of, but it is at least a self-contained episode. It is called Where No One Has Gone Before, it is Star Trek TNG Season 1, Episode 6. Not to be confused with the TOS uh, episode Where No Man Has Gone Before. This is Where No One Has Gone Before. Uh, so you can come back in a couple weeks to listen to us talk about that. In the meantime, you can check us out on Twitter at Contracts. You can follow us 
Uh, you can follow us there. You can follow us on YouTube at Out of Contracts. You can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com or you can visit our website, outofcontracts.podbean.com. You can also check out the other shows on the Classic Media Podcast Network. There's Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There's That's Not How Science Works, which is a science and pop culture podcast. And there is Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. Check any of those folks out, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.